Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. And hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us, and we appreciate you letting us be part of your day. I am in Boone, Iowa. This would have been the opening day of this year's Farm Progress Show, but of course, with COVID-19, that's not the case. But there is going to be, two weeks from today, the startup of the virtual Farm Progress Show. And what's going on here today, it's not open to the public, but they are out doing some work in the field and doing a lot of video work and putting together the the virtual show that you'll be able to start seeing September 15th, 16th, and 17th. So we're going to be telling you about that a little bit later on today as we talk with Don Torty with Farm Progress, just about uh, how you can get signed up to watch the virtual Farm Progress show coming up and uh, just what all will be involved in that. Also today, we're going to really focus on the damage in Iowa from derecho a couple weeks ago. We're going to talk with a, a farmer from the Cedar Rapids area. We're also going to talk with an Iowa State Extension field agronomist to kind of get a, a handle on uh, where they're at with the assessment. I tell you what, as I drove in and saw some of the uh, fields with the corn flattened, it just it's so sad. It, it's really hard to look at, and it's a really a tough situation for a lot of farmers, and we're going to get an update on that on our program today. So lots to talk about from here in Boone, Iowa. We're going to start it off today with Todd Neely, DTN reporter. Todd, thanks for joining us. Yeah, great to be here, Mike. Uh, we have a lot going on, a, a lot of news. We'll start with ethanol and the tariff battle with Brazil has taken a, a, a bad turn here. Bring us up to date. Yeah, well, Mike, you know, uh, Brazil had been considering uh, raising the tariff. Um, you know, we had a a zero rate quota in place for a bit of time and uh, the government of Brazil let that expire overnight. Uh, yesterday was the deadline uh, so essentially it would kick a 20% tariff into place for U.S. producers uh, but the one thing that's still out there is the possibility that the government might take some action on this. Um, so far we're hearing nothing on that uh, on that front uh, but as we stand right now it would be a 20% tariff and so we kind of just wait to see what happens. Um, as you know, Brazil has been a really important market over the years for U.S. Uh, producers. And I think um, as we go down the road here, I think uh, either way, even if Brazil sticks with this tariff, you know, there's still the possibility of the Trump administration retaliating with the tariff. So uh, a lot out there to find out yet. Yeah, we just have to wait and see. But as you said, there still could be action. This is a preliminary move right now. So we'll wait and see what happens, and we hope to get an update on this even more tomorrow. Now, also on the ethanol front, we have ag groups uh, in court defending E15. Tell us about that. Uh, yeah, you know, Mike, there's been a number of lawsuits ongoing. Uh, the, the one that we wrote about last week involves the American fuel and petrochemical manufacturers, uh, they are obviously opposed to the E15 approval, which uh, came uh, about a year and a half ago, allowing the sale of E15 year-round. Uh, it's something that's really been beneficial already. We've seen uh, you know, E15 sales go up quite significantly, although as a percentage of the whole market, it's still relatively small. Uh, but there's an ongoing court case in the District of Columbia, the U.S. Court of Appeals, 
uh, we've seen the National Corn Growers Growth Energy uh, Renewable Fuels Association involved, and they filed a brief here recently, uh, you know, making the argument that uh, what EPA took in terms of the action on E15 was completely legal. And, uh, you know, I think all along uh, this case has been a situation where uh, EPA's action did seem pretty legally sound. Uh, it seems like they've got this thing in a pretty good position. Uh, of course, you never know what's going to happen in a court, but uh, the ag groups and the ethanol groups are definitely there uh, right at the front of it, fighting it all the way. A lot of uh, battles for the ethanol industry, including still waiting to see what EPA is going to do with the uh, small refinery exemptions, these waiver requests. Yeah, Mike, you know, there are actually 98 of those pending, including 67 uh, that go back to previous years. And uh, this is quite a significant number because if, uh, let's just say, EPA went ahead and granted every single exemption, uh, we're looking at over, you know, nearly 5 billion gallons of ethanol uh, demand that would be lost. Um, it's just really, it, it's looking at this point that the Trump administration is just going to remain silent on this. You know, the president's been told about it. Uh, he said during a roundtable in Iowa a week or two ago that uh, he would talk to the EPA personally. Uh, we don't know if that's actually happened, but to this point, there's been no EPA action, so uh, we're probably looking at past the election. Yeah, we'll wait and see on that. And meanwhile, let's look at China. They continue to buy, and now we have Taiwan easing restrictions on beef and pork, and we'll see how significant that may be. But, of course, then you have the uh, the tensions between China and Taiwan and the U.S. relationship with both. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, we had China just buy over 500 metric tons of, of uh, corn for delivery. And, uh, you know, it, it's really it's really quite astounding when you look at the beginning of this year, uh, what we were looking at in terms of what China was going to buy, supposedly. Uh, we've come one, nowhere near that to this point. But uh, we have seen in recent weeks, uh, China has stepped up buying. Uh, and so I think, you know, as we go down to the to the last part of the year here, I do think that we're probably going to see more of this. Uh, you know, there's still, uh, we've, we've seen potential talks between the U.S. and China again. Uh, you know, there's uh, the possibility of moving forward on further trade. But uh, if we can get through this phase one deal at least this year and finish the year strong, I guess that's better than nothing at this point. And the feeling seems to be they're really trying to rebuild, especially their uh, swine herd after African swine fever. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, I think that, uh, all, all things point to China actually uh, doing quite a pretty good job of it. Uh, it seems like they've been able to kind of maintain their supply here recently, and uh, it's really going to be interesting to see how it plays out because China, uh, as you know, they're very capable of turning on a dime and making things happen, it seems, quickly. Um, but there again, you know, it was quite a loss of swine, uh, what they went through, and so it's uh, – it's really kind of a long-term thing, but I, I think that, you know, at least the possibility is out there, uh, you know, maybe the U.S. can make some inroads here in the next year and a half. Any combines rolling around you in Nebraska? Uh, not not to this point, not too much. Um, you know, I think uh, we've got some cooler weather here, obviously, so I'm sure we're going to probably see more of that here soon. Uh, at least the, the near forecast doesn't look like it's going to be all that hot, so maybe this is the time to get out. 
I tell you, some of the corn that uh, I've seen here in Iowa, not not the down yeah. corn, but the other corn, some of it looks pretty close. Uh, it's uh, much further along and closer to harvest than uh, what I've been seeing back home in Illinois. So uh, getting close here, it looks yeah. like. All right, Todd, good to talk right. with you. Thanks a lot for the update. Yeah, thank you, Mike. DTN reporter Todd Neely. All right, up next here in Boone, Iowa, what would have been the opening day of the Farm Progress Show. There's still activity going on here today. It's not open to the public, but some things that are happening here today you'll soon be able to see when the virtual Farm Progress Show starts up in a couple weeks. We're going to tell you about that when we come back with Don Torty, Vice President, Sales and Shows for Farm Progress. We'll let you know how all this is going to come together next on AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. You don't take a winter break. Unfortunately, neither do insects or diseases. Trust BASF Cereal Seed Treatments to protect your winter wheat this season. This team of products provides a base of broad-spectrum disease control with Stamina F4 Cereals Fungicide Seed Treatment, an added performance boost with new Relania Seed Treatment, and rounded out with Poncho XC Seed Treatment Pest Protection. To learn more, contact your BASF rep or local retailer. BASF, we create chemistry. Always read and follow label directions. Recently on Adams on Agriculture. Well, during COVID-19, we've been keeping up to date on the pork packing plant situation with Steve Meyer, economist with Kearns and Associates. Steve joins us again now for another update. Steve, how much of the backlog have we cut into now? Not much. I mean, matter of fact, it's grown. I don't know if it's grown since June 1st, Mike, because I kind of started recounting. If you all go go all the way back to March, you don't know how far you are. we were off by the end of May. June Hogs and Pigs Report gave us a June 1 inventory, and so we can start from that point going forward and say, if hogs were growing normally, how many would we slaughter? And the answer to that question is we would have slaughtered 1.3 million more than we had slaughtered. You know, just straight off the June Hogs and Pigs Report, we could get a backlog of almost 3 million head by the end of December. These pigs being destroyed will reduce that some. We won't know that really until we kind of get there. We'll have another read on this when we get to September Hogs and Pigs Report. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Peak performance at harvest is a necessity. It's our expertise. Producers who look to have a successful harvest turn to FS. Our grain systems experts reduce downtime by offering the latest products, innovations, and knowledge to your grain operation. Whether you need a part in a hurry or advice on your equipment, we'll keep you running. At FS, we're always looking for ways to optimize your grain system and ensure during harvest your operation is ready for what's next. So visit FSSystem.com and let's get you headed towards your next success. FS, bringing you what's next. The Home Service Club sponsors this paid advertisement. Attention homeowners. Broken AC, $4,600. Water heater, $1,500. Fridge on the fritz, $1,000. You need home warranty coverage from the Home Service Club. For around a dollar a day, if any of your covered appliances and systems break down, HSC will either do the repair or replace them. HSC has over 15,000 pre-screened, highly rated technicians with the fastest response time in the industry. HSC provides coverage for up to 47 different appliances and systems in your home. Call for a free, no-obligation quote from a trusted HSC service specialist about a home warranty for your entire home, all backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. 800-434-5301. Call now and get your first month free. 
plus $75 off your first year. 800-434-5301. 800-434-5301. That's 800-434-5301. 800-434-5301. You're listening to AOA Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, as I mentioned, this would have been the opening day for this year's Farm Progress Show in Boone, Iowa. But uh, it's the world in which we live. COVID has changed a lot of things. But there are events going on here today at the Farm Progress Show site. Not open to the public, but some things happening that the public will see soon. To tell us about it is Don Torty, Vice President, Sales and Shows for Farm Progress. Don, good to see you. This would have been a great opening day weatherwise, a beautiful day. But uh, you're capturing a lot of video, a lot of information that will soon be available. Exactly. Well, first of all, it would have been a great opening day. Here in Boone, um, we tend to... You know, we fight the weather sometimes. It's perfect. 70 and sunny. You know, yeah. you can't beat it. But, uh, you know, you can't beat live, too. When you talk about live, I've watched out here. I've watched. We have a panel of farmers. You can't beat live. But what we're trying to do is bring live to life the best that we can in our Farm Progress virtual experience. So you've got some work going on out in the fields. You're capturing that. And your virtual event is coming up September 15th, 16th, and 17th. Tell us about that. That's correct. Um yeah, that's what will open up on September 15th, and all three days will have very special programming. Um, you know, each day is going to kick off with, with demonstrations, which, you know, magic of both Farm Progress Show and Husker Harvest Days have always been our demonstrations. The line of farmers behind the rope, seeing those latest combines going through the field. Um, we're bringing that back to you, but in a way that's very unique. You know, every single one of those pieces of equipment, whether it be a combine, a piece of tillage equipment, uh, a hay baler, cattle chute, they have GoPros on them, several GoPros. We have a standard uh, a camera in the field watching a piece of equipment come up, go by, and following it. And we also have a drone, everyone, and we're tying all that together. So actually, farmers are going to be able to see these pieces of equipment work in a way that they've never been able to see before at Farm Progress Show or Husker Harvest Days. This also opens this up to people who can't normally get here or wouldn't be able to get here, or even if you come, you have a hard time all the time seeing everything. So this gives you a chance to kind of, it's by a you can do it on your own schedule. Whenever you feel like you can go to it, go back to it multiple times. Absolutely. I mean, we'd like to think that people might want to go check out that latest combine and how they work on the 15th if they're not in the field already, but they might be in the field. This year, fall's coming on pretty darn quick. Uh, but the nice thing is, uh, Matt Youngman, our show director, one of his favorite lines, one of his lines that I was one of my favorites is, you know, Farm Progress Show, you, you take all this in, but you might not remember everything. But you're out there combining. It's November. Your corn head isn't working great. And you're going, what did I see at the Farm Progress Show? You can go back and look mm-hmm. because all this will be online through mid-2021. So we want people to register, go see it live right when it first goes or right when it first goes live on the 15th, 16th, and 17th. But make it a resource for throughout the year. How do they sign up? Easily. A couple things. First of all, it's free. So, you know, there's no barrier to entry there, and we want to encourage uh, There's a lot of stuff that you can see for no price. Two, go to farmprogressshow.com or huskerharvestdays.com. Either one of those shows that you know and love, go to that website. All the registration will walk you through. It's easy to do. We're talking with Don Torty with Farm Progress. Don, 
I know it was a tough decision to have to uh, cancel the show. Uh, you waited as long as you could. You thought you were going to be able to have uh, the show in some form. Take us through that, what that was like leading up to your decision. Probably one of the toughest decisions we've ever made. And, uh, you know, I've been in this business for a lot of years. But first of all, for having the show, we really went and put a great All Secure document uh, together on how could we do live shows the safest way possible. We made the decision we were going to move forward, but the world changed shortly after that. And corporate America also changed Mm -hmm. a lot, putting their foot down that, you know, a lot of big corporations, their offices aren't even open yet. Their people aren't allowed to travel. It became very apparent to us that we could not have these events live. And again, we think live, there's nothing that beats live. So then we went to work putting together these virtual experiences. I think putting together the Farm Progress Show or Husker is a ton of work. This has been even more work, Mm -hmm. but we are purposely making it the best that it can be to bring live to life. I mean, all this, as I just explained about what we're doing with all the demonstrations, we have a lot of really good content, not not, we're not going for quantity, we're going for quality. So every day you'll have six to seven really good sessions on marketing or what's COVID done to land prices or mental health, just a whole host of great things that you can learn. And then every single one of our smaller exhibitors have been given the opportunity to have a video, a short video done by our editorial team. What were you planning to launch at Farm Progress Show or Husker? So we are trying really hard to give a really good opportunity and bring these shows to life. Had you been setting up for this show, you probably would have been dealing with uh, the uh, recovery from derecho. Probably if you'd have had tents and things up when that storm moved through, there would have been some damage. Yes. Uh, just, you know, people across the nation have seen the corn bins at Luther, Iowa, those big bins mm-hmm. that have collapsed and were all over the place and cornfields that were flat. That's five miles south of here. We were pretty lucky. Uh, we just had, we had one bin go down, one door, garage door kind of get bent in. But had we had tent stakes around here, that frightens the heck out of us what could have happened with there. But we're very fortunate. It's not often you say that you're fortunate you only had 80 mile an hour winds versus 110 mile an hour winds. But uh, we were very fortunate that we were still be able to combine out here and be able to showcase this. Well, that was the thing. You had crops in the field that were going to have to be harvested. And this way, people are still going to be able to watch the equipment work in the field. They will. And it's really cool. I mean, we, we just did the filming for all of that yesterday. Um, You know, I was fortunate. I grew up just 40 miles from here, so really close. And my brother and my nephew came over. They're big farmers in central Iowa. It was fun just to see, like, uh, them looking at a corn head. or You know, it was an actual new soybean head out there. Them talking about it. I mean, you know, to me, it was almost over my head. But that's why live comes to life. You can really see that. And you're going to be able to see that in the field. As you see all those combines go by, is that right now we're doing tillage out there to see a tillage. To be able to compare really is terrific. A lot of people have asked, will it the show go back to Decatur where you stay on the rotation? That's a great question. Yes, we are going to stay on that rotation. So next year we will be back in Decatur. Uh, you know, even number of years we'll be here in Iowa, odd number of years we'll be in Illinois. And the reason we did that is there are just a lot of contracts that are built into every year. So there's a lot of contracts that are already built in into Illinois, how we do that. And, uh, you know, the show just moves on. Some years we have a rain out different places. Uh, things don't happen, but we will be back in Decatur in 2021. Well, I've covered every Farm Progress show since 1976. 
And I've seen a little bit of everything, but who'd have ever thought we'd be dealing with something like this? Uh, certainly not me. I've been around for a long time as well, Mike, and it's uh, it's really unfortunate what's happened. Uh, you know, this unforeseen. I remember when this first started coming on the scenes, and you really thought, well, this isn't going to affect right. us. This is something that's happening in another country, and it just kept creeping. And uh, um, it's yeah, we we need. We obviously need a vaccine. We need this to get over because we need to get back to life as normal, you know, the opportunity to celebrate agriculture. And I look at both Farm Progress Show and Husker Harvest Days, not only in having the latest innovations in agriculture, but also a great opportunity to celebrate agriculture. We're fortunate we can do what we can do virtually. But I'm like you. I heard you say uh, uh, earlier today that uh, you're maybe getting close to virtual burnout, too. Uh, there, There's... Pluses and minuses, obviously. The, the the human interaction and contact, that's a big part of farm progress, and I know you'll be looking forward to getting back to that next year. Absolutely. That, you know, we saw that. We saw that in our research that we did before we ever canceled the show. Will you come to the Farm Progress Show or Husker? Overwhelmingly, farmers said yes. And you look at the 70-degree weather, you think, what a crowd we may have had here today. But uh, um but we've really been striving. Virtual burnout's a real thing, and that's why we're going that extra step of really taping all this stuff, stuff you can't find on the Internet. I mean, you could go on any company's website and see a lot of stuff. We're trying to bring this to life. Your partners here, your exhibitors, they've worked with you on this. Yeah, and, you know, I really love that. I watched this in Grand Island when we did haying and cattle, and I watched it here they like live too. They wouldn't be bringing, they wouldn't be trucking this equipment here if they didn't see a value in making this happen for the opportunity to interact with farmers, whether it be, you know, we have a farmer panel here. Matt calls it kind of the golden ticket. So farmers are looking, they're going to help tell the story through their eyes. But the bottom line is they want to reach out to all these farmers. They want to touch them. They want to show their latest technology. And this is a way that we can do it. All right. Again, tell us how we get signed up to watch this event. Absolutely. Go to farmprogressshow.com or huskerharvestdays.com. Do it soon because we'll keep sending you reminders of new stuff that's there. It's easy to sign up. It's free. Um, We really encourage you to do it because I think it's going to be worth your time. It goes live two weeks from today. September 15th, 16th, and 17th. It's quite, you said, it's a lot of work to put this together. Uh, I can't imagine all the details that you've had to work through and uh, all the people involved. To, to, you have to have a good team to make this work. And that's one thing we do have at Farm Progress is a great team. I don't think we've ever had more all hands on tech as we have pulling this virtual event together, which really is a testament to how much work it is, but how good it's going to be. We hope people will tune in two weeks from today for the virtual Farm Progress Show. Don, good to see you. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. Don Torty, Vice President, Sales and Shows for Farm Progress. Again, uh, get ready for the virtual show. It starts two weeks from today. We're going to talk about some of the uh, crop damage in Iowa. That's coming up next. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. You don't take a winter break. Unfortunately, neither do insects or diseases. Trust BASF Cereal Seed Treatments to protect your winter wheat this season. This team of products provides a base of broad-spectrum disease control with stamina F4 cereals fungicide seed treatment, an added performance boost with new Relania seed treatment, and rounded out with Poncho XC seed treatment, pest protection. To learn more, contact your BASF rep or local retailer. BASF, we create chemistry. Always read and follow label directions. Young farmers don't listen to the radio, right? 
wrong. In a recent survey, 74% of young producers said they get their most important agricultural information from their trusted farm radio station. Surprised? Don't be. If you think about it, it makes perfect sense. Radio is the perfect companion because it goes with you everywhere. Whether you're in the shop, on the combine, or in the truck, Farm Radio is right there with you. This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture for the American Ag Network. I'm Kirsten Rall. In its latest forecast, Stonex says that it expects U.S. corn yields to average 179.6 bushels per acre and U.S. soybean yields to hit 52.9 bushels per acre. These are both down from the firm's previous estimates. Despite yesterday's crop progress report from the USDA showing a two-point drop in the percentage of U.S. corn crop in good excellent condition, falling to 62 percent, corn futures on the Board of Trade are trading lower. September corn is a half a cent lower at 348. December down a penny and a half cent at 356 and a half cent. September soybeans up two and three quarters at 954. The November contract up a penny and a half cent at 955. September Minneapolis spring wheat trading two cents higher at 520 and a half cent. Kansas City wheat September up 10 and a fraction at 480 and three quarters. September Chicago wheat trading five and a half cent higher at 549 and three quarters. Following strong pressure over the last week in all livestock trade, traders move into the month of September with concern that a weaker trend will continue. Limited activity through the rest of this week is expected, with traders looking ahead to the holiday weekend and wondering if meat demand will bounce back following the Labor Day weekend. Cash cattle country is slow to start this morning. There is talk of cattle being priced at $107 per hundredweight in parts of the south. On the Board of Trade December live cattle trading two cents lower at 108.95. The February contract up 15 at 112.47. October feeder cattle trading 20 cents higher at 140.82. The November contract up 35 at 141.72. December lean hogs trading 57 cents higher at 55.67. The February contract up 60 at 62.17. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture for the American Ag Network. I'm Kirsten Rall. I can't get my computer to work. Let me help you with that. How'd you do that? I just got techie with Geeks on Site. Our geeks literally come on site. No need to stop what you're doing or block off time. We come to your home, office, or wherever you are. And we don't just fix whatever computer issues you might be having. We explain and teach you along the way so you can feel empowered and then help others at home or in your office. Better yet, don't have time for tech support to come to you? Let us remote into your desktop or laptop, and one of our geeks will instantly walk you through. We offer affordable prices on our remote services and IT support. You and those in your office will never have to wait hours to have your technical questions answered. Get your free computer diagnosis today with your very own geek. Get started now and we'll help you instantly. Call 866-967-3879. 866-967-3879. That's 866-967-3879. Hi, this is Mike Adams. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. And welcome back. I'm in Boone, Iowa at the Farm Progress Show site. Uh, we've all seen pictures and heard a lot about the ratio from a couple weeks ago. But I tell you, seeing it in person, uh, it really 
it really hits you. Uh, the pictures don't capture it all, and you see it in person, and you just it's such a sad sight to see these fields flattened and the damage to bins and structures. I'm going to get an update on that now from Dick Isaacson. He joins me. He farms in this Boone area and also has a farm management and real estate business in the Cedar Rapids area. So he can kind of speak to both of these parts of Iowa. Dick, thank you for joining us. You were telling me before we went on the air what it was like during the ratio. Kind of share that experience with us. Well, it was a strange event. I've never experienced anything like this in my whole life. Uh, we got done with our staff meeting on Monday, and about quarter to uh, one, all of a sudden the winds came up. And it blew constantly for 50 minutes, and the winds were from 30 to 130 mile an hour. And as we looked out the window, we just saw you know, the Walmart sign disappear. Uh, we saw the turn signals, these these uh, steel uh, supports we see on all our turn signals just blew over. And <clears throat> to drive all the major electric lines, there was uh, they installed new poles that were over 12 inches in diameter, and it snapped them off like toothpicks. And driving home, <clears throat> we had to go around two semis that had blown over. And it's just, we got, uh, the corn is flat. And I thought after a couple of weeks it'd come back up, <clears throat> but no, it's broken off. And uh, I think in the township around where I live near Cedar Rapids, on farms, I think there was at least 700,000 bushels of grain storage destroyed. And, um, you know, here in the, Bo- in the Boone area, we got the, uh, the pictures that they've had of the elevator at Luther where um, they've lost everything or nearly everything some of the major co-ops in this area i think one of them has 26 or 7 locations and had damage at 23 of them wow and they're saying that 20% of the commercial grain storage in iowa was damaged you were saying that in many ways the ratio was more damaging than a tornado oh it doesn't even compare to a tornado um, cuz it was from 30 to 50 miles wide a tornado comes through, it's tragic, but it's seldom wider than a half mile. Uh, we had a tornado right here at this site in 1976, and it was one of the worst tornadoes in Iowa until the Parkersburg tornado later on. But, uh, you know, it was it was maybe a mile wide at most, but uh, this derecho we got, you know, I've never seen a harvestor silo blown over. And uh, there was one that was totally blown over, and I bet it was kind of scary for that family because it landed about 75 feet from their house. Wow. You were telling me that about every home in the Cedar Rapids community has had some type of damage from the storm. Yeah. It, uh, you know, you're lucky if you just had some fascia blown off. Uh, the uh, landfill was saying that they've got as much debris in as in the last uh, month as they normally get in a year and a half. Wow. I mean, it just totally defoliated. There's there's hardly any trees of any consequence left. And uh, fortunately, where I live was just, I was just six miles north of the of where it, it uh, hit the worst. But it's, I don't know, it's going to take a long time to recover. And this is going to take uh, the decision on this corn that's broken over that's going to be a tough decision. Um, I think we're going to have to see what 
you know, number one, if you decide to destroy it, how you're going to, how that's going to work out with crop insurance. Uh, number two, what are you going to do to prevent so much volunteer corn next year? Because that's going to just be, you know, if you're on a continuous corn program, boy, that's going to be a challenge. We're talking with Iowa farmer Dick Isaacson. Dick, did much of it, did very much of it all come back up? I mean, was it just bent or was it all pretty much just snapped off? Well, the core of it is pretty well bent over. A little bit, a little bit of the difference was when it was planted and the physiological maturity of it at that point. But uh, in most cases, uh, as it's appearing now, you drive down these fields today and a lot of those stalks are brown. And two weeks ago they were green, and so we all kind of had expectations that it'll, it'll bounce back up, but uh, it was just lodged too much. So now you got these decisions of what to do with it. If you can harvest it, it's going to be a challenge to get it out. And then, as you said, a lot of storage is missing now. Yeah, I, I was going to say, we got some areas where I don't know what we're going to do with the corn that we can harvest. The, uh, the thing is, is that we had a windstorm on July 17th also. And, you know, after that windstorm, the corn kind of goosenecked and then came back up. And I thought, well, okay, we're okay. But you go out in that corn today, you can see there was some damage, some yield loss. And the intensity of the losses here, they're projecting about 4.5 million acres of corn in Iowa that were severely damaged. And then there was 10 to 12 million acres that were impacted with the wind. So the yield's going to be reduced on varying degrees as you go away from that. And I, you know... It's going to take some guys down. I don't see it's going to be difficult to recover from it. Plus, you're dealing with drought conditions as well in some places. Yes. And as you go from the Boone area west, it's been dry all summer. My, Our farm here only had uh, 5.1 inches of rain from June 1 to today. Wow. And good thing we had good subsoil moisture coming into that or we wouldn't have had much. <clears throat> I think... Our corn here is running, you know, somewhere around, somewhere between 165, 170 bushel, which is really kind of a miracle under the circumstances. Um, but this, we got pretty heavy soils here, and so it'll carry, you know, about seven or eight inches of plant available moisture in the subsoil. Now, away from the damaged area, it looks, I, I driving in, it looked like some corn is pretty close to ready to be harvested. Yeah, what we had a dry spell in the last couple of weeks of June, and any ground that was a little lighter, it it started to take the, the bloom off that crop. And as you go around, uh, you see a lot of these places where the lighter soil's at, uh, the crops are pretty brown. And west central Iowa's been dry all summer long. You, we had more rain here, but you go in a Carroll County, Green County, Anna Crawford, Guthrie, they've been a, in a drought. I mean, the, the, um, a lot of the tours have shown the years of corn being nubbins. You mentioned it's going to be a tough financial situation for several farmers that have been hit by deratio, uh, some that uh, are going to have to make some tough choices, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Another tough choice in this is that do you decide to harvest? So what? How much damage do you do to your combine? And 
I mean, I was pretty amazed on uh, they were harvesting some of my our corn here, how well they could pick it up. It was just amazing. They could uh, they get the the chain speed on the head, and you go out there and drive the fields, and there's remarkable uh, minimal yield loss. And I thought, gosh, you know, you'd have stuff broken stocks. Although this corn here, we had we'll have some more broken spot stocks than normal because we only planted 85 day corn rather than 108 day, and so we were playing the game for to make something to for harvest the show, for the farm yeah. market show. Yeah. And so that's uh, you know, it's kind of a, a different situation, but it's amazing that we could get that kind of a yield under these circumstances. Mm-hmm. For those who don't know, your family's played a big part in, in the Farm Progress Show being here in Boone. Yeah, we've been always been very supportive of it. And uh, my mother's going to be 93 this year, and she's always been a proponent, kind of quietly supportive. It's It's got to be a, a hit for this area economically not to have the Farm Progress Show. I mean, you bring in a lot of people here that, that's important for the businesses here. Yeah, it's the excitement of it's you know it's just like going to the state fair. It's it's fun and, and you know the, the neat thing about it is it's a chance to catch up with all the current technology. And you walk this 92 acre spot and you can see it all in a day. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes it pretty fun and exciting and and it keeps you know for those that attend it's a chance to get abreast of what's going on. I can remember. Is that your phone? <laughs> I said, wasn't my ring, so I thought somebody's probably get, trying to get a hold of you. I can remember the first time setting foot on this site and hearing that this is where it's going to be every other year. And and to see where it's at now, it has really come a long ways. Oh, my. Well, you know, the, on this flat land, drainage is a, a big issue. And then getting the streets so you're not walking in the mud. Mm-hmm. And it just makes a lot more fun. Well, we wouldn't have had to worry about mud this year. <laughs> That's <we>? right. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, our hearts go, our hearts go out to those farmers that are dealing with this damage. It's just, uh, it as I said, I, I saw the pictures and I heard the stories, but until I saw it myself, I just couldn't imagine. And and you know the bins, the way they've been thrown around. You see them out in the middle of fields. Uh, it's just amazing. Well, and see the legacy of that's a little bit beyond that. I remember when we had the tornado in in 1976. There was nails and stuff out in the fields, and so you got flat tires and all that stuff that carry over. Carries over. Dick, thanks for being with us and and sharing the experiences with us, and uh, we hope that uh, things will turn around and be much better moving forward for everyone. Thank you. We we hope so, too. Yep. Dick Isaacson, he farms here in the Boone area and also has a farm management business in Cedar Rapids. More on the storm damage in Iowa coming up. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Don't go away. More Adams on Agriculture coming right up. Do you know how to keep food safe at home? Clean, separate, cook, and chill. The easy lessons of clean, separate, cook, and chill will help you protect your family and be food safe. Let's talk about how to chill. First, keep the fridge at 40 degrees or below to keep bacteria from growing. Use an appliance thermometer to be sure things are cool. Then, chill leftovers and takeout foods within two hours and divide food into shallow containers for fast cooling. 
and always thaw meat, poultry, and seafood in the fridge, not on the counter, and never overstuff the fridge. Food safety risks at home are more common than most people think. The USDA is your partner in being food safe. Clean, separate, cook, and chill. For more information, visit BeFoodSafe.gov or call 1-888-MP-HOTLINE. As an organ donor, your story doesn't have to end. The good in you can live on. In fact, you could save up to eight lives with your gifts. Your heart could keep beating. Your kidneys could keep filtering. And your intestines could keep on digesting for others. And that's not all. You can improve the lives of 50 more people as an eye and tissue donor, restoring sight and health. And you're not just helping out the person receiving the transplant. You're touching whole families with your life-saving gift. Register in minutes. Just go to organdonor.gov. You'll be happy you did. And just maybe, someone else will be happy too. Sign up today. Go to organdonor.gov. It saves lives. U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, Shirley Bloomfield, CEO of NTCA, the Rural Broadband Association. And Shirley, you have talked about the importance of getting broadband out throughout rural America. Where do we stand with that now, with those efforts to get broadband out there in places that do not have it now? We've been making progress, but honestly, if you are somebody listening to your show today who doesn't have good connectivity, they're probably shaking their head and saying it's not going to come soon enough because you aptly pointed out that if there's anything the pandemic has shown is that how much we rely on this connectivity and how much how much such a big part of our economy and the ag economy um, depends on it and the ability of the agriculture industry to actually move forward in a really interesting way using um, artificial intelligence, using data. So that was a really long way of saying there's some policies in place that have really kind of put their foot on the gas. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Adams on Agriculture. Conversations with policymakers, the movers and shakers in the ag industry, the pros and cons of issues important to you, cutting through the spin to get to the heart of a topic and giving you the information you need to know. Every weekday, Mike Adams brings you guests important to the ag industry. It's quite simply information farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. About 80% of farmers use propane to dry their grain. If you're part of that 80%, you know a dryer filled with propane distributes heat and dries grain more evenly. With FS Propane, you can increase harvest quality, improve productivity, and lower fuel cost. Propane from FS ensures dependable supply. FS offers services and flexible, convenient payment programs to help keep your mind on your business while they manage your propane tank and supply. For grain drying, choose FS Propane. FS Propane brings the heat. More and more landowners and their farmers are celebrating healthy soil for good reason. Because farmers who use soil health building practices like no-till and cover crops and who use diverse species and rotations report greater farm productivity, profitability, and resiliency. So here's to your soil's health. Contact your local USDA Natural Resources Conservation Service office today and learn how to unlock the secrets in your soil. This message brought to you by USDA and this radio station. 
Adams on Agriculture prides itself on bringing top leaders in the egg industry right to your radio speakers. AOA wants to continue that conversation right to your fingertips. Follow AOA on Twitter at AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams himself at the handle Mike Adams Egg. You will receive real-time highlights of the show and keep up with which convention or industry meeting AOA is attending. That's AOA underscore talk show and Mike Adams Egg. We hope to see you online. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Hi, this is Mike Adams. You can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. All right, so I'm in Boone, Iowa, and we just talked with Dick Isaacson, who farms in this Boone area area and also talked about what it's like uh, in the Cedar Rapids area from DeRatio a couple weeks ago. Let's continue looking at the storm damage. We're joined now by Megan Anderson, Iowa State Extension Field Agronomist. Megan, thank you for joining us. Uh, you had a couple weeks now. I know you've been out uh, looking at fields, assessing the damage. What what can you tell us? What's the overview that you've seen? Uh, well, it's it's really remarkable how widespread the damage is. I mean, I know we keep saying that, but it's just, it's completely unbelievable how, uh, to me, how uh, people all the way out in West Central Iowa are affected and have flat fields and, and people all the way over pretty close to the Illinois border have been affected. Um, so the, the size and scale of it is amazing. And then I would say the, the really disappointing thing uh, to see has been how quickly uh, the corn crop has gone downhill here. Uh, since the time of that storm, um, we were already uh, struggling a little bit with uh, some dryness in some areas, and that has basically just spread. And that, combined with the heat that we had last week, has really sent the corn crop downhill. Yeah, you've had a, a major storm, and you have some drought, and you had heat. Uh, so now farmers are out there trying to decide what to do. Yeah, absolutely, and it's it's going to be a challenging fall no matter what way we look at it at this point what are you seeing as far as uh the fields you've been in as far as those where you know it it snapped off completely some that just bent did did some of it survive uh, can come back somewhat what what's that breakdown oh yeah i mean it's it's highly variable depending on the field i would say that that uh, a fairly good percentage of fields are are really pretty flat, so they root launched really well, or in some cases they actually broke basically at the crown of the plant. So right at the base of the plant, they broke and fell over, and so they're still maybe a little bit attached via some roots and held on for a while. Uh, but most most of those plants are dead by now. We do have a lot that I would say they were pinched over or maybe slightly less root lodged that are still somewhat green but the husks have been brown now for probably two weeks and so those those seem to be advancing in maturity really quickly so it's going to be a slow harvest for those that decide to go ahead and try to get it out uh yeah it's definitely going to be a challenge right we're going to have to pull grain out of the field wetter than we would normally like to and in some cases, we don't have drying or storage facilities available to us like we we would in a normal year. So, I mean, it's just it's 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 going to be difficult. And then, of course, we worry about stock rots and ear rots and potential mycotoxin concerns. There's just a 
a whole host of things that, that are on our minds right now. We just heard Dick Isaacson uh, bring up the uh, possibility of a lot of uh, volunteer corn next year because of this. Yeah, residue management this fall is going to be a challenge, uh, and then management of corn and probably residue still uh, next spring is going to be difficult. I know there are a lot of farmers who, who would like to grow continuous corn and are really trying to wrestle with how they might make that work next year. We're talking with Iowa State Extension Field Agronomist Megan Anderson. Megan, uh, apart from the storm, uh, how much has dry weather taken off uh, the yields here throughout Iowa? Um, I I mean, I think the majority of the, the kind of eastern half of the state, uh, we were really set up uh, to to have what looked like really good yields, right? Excellent yields in some cases. And it seems like I see that a lot of times where the kind of uh, fringe dry areas, right, we'll have a drought and we'll have the area that's going to be abnormally dry. And those uh, seem like they can often produce really, really high yielding or even record type crops. Um, but we definitely have that, that pocket that continues to grow, I think, in kind of west central creeping into central Iowa where they had taken a lot off the top of their yield, you know, more than 30 or 40 percent in some fields probably what are moisture levels in some of these fields are they about ready to to start harvesting them uh we're not there yet so we're uh probably within a week out from a lot of fields being at black layer maybe a little bit longer seven to ten days um there are some fields that are really close to black layer already and definitely that stuff on the ground has advanced through those stages a little bit faster. And so then it's just a matter of whether or not those, that corn will dry down even relatively normally. So we are, we're probably a, a good 10 days ahead of normal um, right now due to the dry conditions combined with some of that heat that we've had in recent days. How does the bean crop look? Uh, well, the Bean crop looked like it had a lot of potential, but we we sat and and hoped and hoped for that kind of August rainfall, and we just never really got much of an August rainfall, except a little bit of rain that came with the derecho, and then and many areas got a little bit of rain yesterday. Um, so so the bean crop looked like it maybe had a lot of potential, but we were really waiting on rain, and we didn't get it. And I think I think that is is going to be a challenge for for yields. That was really the double whammy, wasn't it? To get a storm like that and then not get the rain that you needed uh, out of it. I mean, it, it it was just pretty much the wind damage, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's the. I mean, that that maybe seems a little bit more than than I thought when you say it out loud like that. Yeah. Yeah. The the state climatologist told me over and over again that it was going to take a big storm to bust through that drought area, but. He didn't tell me that the big storm was going to bring wind and, and not very much rain. So I'm sure you're talking with a lot of farmers who are trying to make some uh, tough decisions right now. Uh, yeah, the the conversations have absolutely been just really difficult this year. Megan, yeah. thanks for joining us. Thanks for the update, giving us an overview of the uh, the situation here in Iowa. We appreciate you being with us. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. 
Megan Anderson, Iowa State Extension Field Agronomist. That wraps it up for today from here in Boone, Iowa. Back in studio tomorrow. Hope you'll join us as we're kicking off September. Thanks for being with us. Be safe, everyone. Thanks for listening to AOA.